0: Welcome to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be your host today. I got lots of entertaining business news information. I'm going to fill you in on some more of the... Well, it's the new tax law, but I've all got a couple topics that come up so often with my clients and new clients and existing clients. I figure I'm going to go ahead and educate about a couple of tax topics that I think everybody should know about. But I'm starting off today... With uh, looking into some local business news, I was trying to figure out things about the um, just the local business. I usually get my news from the Enterprise Record. They always have quite a bit of good um, news stories. And there's a new one that came out, I don't know, a few days ago. Sorry, I've just, uh, just sat down in my chair and I'm just getting situated here for the day. The Enterprise Record had a real good article about a business summit, so I thought I'd share a little bit of that. What I'm going to do today is start out locally and spread out all the way around the world today with the articles I'm going to share with you and some of the news before we get into some some tax talk. So the article that was interesting was on Friday, there's going to be a business summit at... The Chico Community Center at 545 Vallambrosia Avenue at 3 p.m. I'm hoping I'm able to make it. I know I've got a lot of busy appointments this time of year. The tax season is upon us. I noticed that Liberty Tax has their Statue of Liberty people out there bringing cars in, and there's quite a few cars. So that's always the alert that tax season started if you're not a tax professional like myself. So this business summit sounds interesting. It's sponsored by the Chico Chamber of Commerce. The agenda includes the annual state of the city address by the mayor. And other presentations are a business climate report and an economic snapshot. So I'll try to follow up on that to keep you posted. So that's sort of, as far as a local news, there isn't anything you know huge like, um, like a Macy's coming to Chico, which never did happen. And I've I used to hear that 30 years ago, but then they brought the Macy's to Reading, and that was that. The other one that was disappointing on the local business front was when the UC system was going to add a new UC, which they don't do that often, one of the towns, I'll call it a town because it's not that huge of a city, it's pretty big, one of the places that was in the running for the latest UC campus was Reading. Unfortunately, it lost out, I believe it lost out to Modesto. And to me, you know, there's already quite a few UCs in the valley. There's UC Davis isn't that far. There's uh, Fresno State, there's Sac State, and then, of course, Chico State and Humboldt are the two state universities furthest north. But I was really thinking at the time, wouldn't that be great for this North Valley and the Reading area in particular to have a UC? I would think that would be wonderful, but it it didn't happen. They didn't they didn't get picked for that site and I'm not sure what their criteria is. I'm almost thinking that's just not enough population in that whole area because surrounding Redding is a lot of wide open spaces, so that's probably part of the reason why it didn't win. I'm not certain they I guess they're going to use the new one in uh, Modesto when it gets built. I don't think it's not, I don't even believe they've broken ground. But anyway, that's, that was a local business story that I remember that I just wish had been, uh, had gotten won by the Redding instead of by the Modesto. But it didn't, so that's that. Of course, we still have Chico State, which is a, a real good help to the Chico economy. So that's go- always good news. Now, the other article that I'm going to share with you today uh, is a little bit less local, but it's a subject I've brought up before, and it has to do with my favorite businessman, Elon Musk. He's the guy who is the CEO of Tesla, and like I've said, Tesla is just an interesting company because I don't think they've ever made a profit. I think they have a lot of government subsidies. They get a lot of freebies from the places that they build their factories. And I've got a couple of quick Tesla items just sort of as follow-ups. This is an article from the 24th of January, 2018. And it's Dateline Detroit. Two federal agencies have dispatched teams to investigate the California crash of a Tesla Model S electric car that may have been operating under its semi-autonomous autopilot system. It's the second time the National Transportation Safety Board has investigated the performance of autopilot, which keeps the vehicle centered in its lane at a set distance from cars in front of it, and it can also (laughs) change lanes automatically. Well, I'm personally a little too old to start learning how to use an autopilot car. So I, I, not to mention the fact that those Tesla S models, I believe they. I've had a couple of clients who have actually bought those and they do get a tax credit for buying them, but the sticker price is like eighty or $90,000. And that's not my cup of tea. I don't spend that much on gas. But it's just interesting that a company that is so widely respected by most people seems to have these kind of problems. So I looked into it, and there was another article dated the 25th of January. And it came, I found it through uh, my favorite news website, zerohedge.com, that I mentioned last week. And it's titled, Tesla Tumbles on Further Model 3 Delays. Now, as far as I know, Model 3 is the upcoming new model. I believe it's the one that's more affordable. I'm guessing it's going to be forty dollars or $50,000 instead of eighty dollars or ninety, dollars like the Model S. So I'm just going to read you a little bit of this story. Elon Musk, that's that CEO guy that I believe has never earned a profit in his life as far as I know, Elon Musk's week just got worse as Tesla's shares tumble after CNBC reports the problems with battery production at the company's Gigafactory in Sparks, Nevada are worse than the company has acknowledged and could cause further delays and quality issues for the new Model 3, according to a number of current and former Tesla employees. These problems include Tesla needing to make some of the batteries by hand and borrowing scores of employees from one of its suppliers to help with this manual assembly. Then this article goes on to say the reaction was instant and lower, and it just shows a stock chart with a big drop in this Tesla stock. CNBC goes to report, goes on to report that more than a month after Musk's initial warnings in mid-December, Tesla was still making its Model 3 batteries partly by hand, according to current engineers and ex-Tesla employees. They say Tesla had to borrow scores of employees from Panasonic, which is a partner in the Gigafactory. So anyway, it's a fancy battery factory, and I'm assuming that they're just working on these battery uh, technology to where they get better and better, and that would be a great... It's a great breakthrough if battery power could be made to be longer lasting all the time, and I'm sure that's what they're working on. I just think it's it's entertaining that this guy who's basically like worshiped by a lot of, especially younger people, they just think this Elon Musk is the, is, is the latest uh, Edison. That's basically what they think. And like I say, I've read other articles to you before on my show here and never made a profit mostly government subsidies supporting the whole thing. Uh, So far, it doesn't impress me. Uh, Sure, the cars are pretty nice, but if they drive into other cars automatically, I don't really think I want to buy one. That's just my personal opinion. The next article I wanted to share, like I say, we're we're moving from the local a little bit outward here. I do have another article just to mention. It's dated the 24th. It's also, I found it on zerohedge.com. It's called Retail Apocalypse 2018, Nine West Plans Bankruptcy Filing. And the reason I like this article is it's kind of a good summary of the retail picture like we've talked about. When the Sears left the Chico Mall, I pointed that out. I hated to see it. But this article just mentions that Three weeks into the year and the first of what is expected to be are expected to be dozens of retail bankruptcies has arrived. Nine West. I know that's a clothing company that's been around for a long time. But it's hardly the first piece of bad news for the embattled retail sector. Walmart stores abruptly closed more than 60 of its popular Sam's Club locations. Macy's has announced job cuts and added seven stores to a list of more than 100 Expected closures. Citing anonymous sources with knowledge of the situation, Bloomberg reports that Nine West Holdings, Inc. and its creditors are nearing a deal to restructure almost $1.5 billion of debt. The plan will involve filing for bankruptcy. And that's not all. Two weeks ago, Sears revealed that it's struggling to renegotiate some $1 billion of non-first lien debt a sign that the one-time giant is on his last legs and that the long-anticipated bankruptcy of a former icon of American capitalism could unfold before the end of the year. So then it goes on to talk about Nine West and some of the details of theirs. And, uh, oh, here's one. Remember, I've been talking about bonds and the fact that your broker may have told you, oh, you've got some money in bonds, so you're safe. That's kind of a famous a standard parroting line I've heard a lot of times from from brokers. Nine West's 8.255% notes due 2019, that would be a bond issued by the company, traded Monday at 11 cents on the dollar, according to trace bond price reporting data. Now, I don't mean to scare anyone, but just in case part of your, managed portfolio managed by someone else includes bonds and bond funds, there's a good chance that whatever investment is a bond fund, unless it's a government bond fund only, you could have a situation where something inside your investment owned those nine West bonds paying 8.2%. This all circles around again to things like pension funds that have to invest in bonds to make enough return to keep the pensions afloat. This all circles around. What I'm saying is here's another case of if you had an investment inside something that your broker bought for you and that fund bought $1,000 worth of Nine West bond, it's now worth $110. This is exactly what I'm talking about this article just kind of goes on just talking about uh you know this this whole retail thing the good thing about this article if you look it up it has a chart showing the 2017 major us store closure announcements and it's the biggest one is radio shack 1470 payless and rite aid combined for 1300 stores um some of these are less West Coast than East Coast, but Sears and Kmart's in sixth place at 358. Uh, the limited 250. So anyway, this big old, long list of stores that have closed uh, closed retail stores. And here's the part that I want to point out. This is just at the end of this article, before the first break today. Retailers, of course, can thank Amazon founder Jeff Bezos for their troubles. The rise of e-commerce and a period of overexpansion during the 2000s have decimated the industry. The impact has been felt in the commercial real estate market as one-third of American shopping malls are expected to close during the coming years, crushing REITs tied to these properties. Now, that's what I've been saying. A REIT is called a real estate investment trust. They also not only own real estate-based investments that are residential, but they own commercial-based real estate investments, that's where the trouble could come. So again, uh, and I'm always just a second opinion, uh, devil's advocate guy, I'm not saying you have problems, but if you're not watching your own portfolio and your own investments, for all you know, inside of your IRA or retirement plan, Somebody has invested in real estate investment trusts and some of those may be a little too heavy in the commercial real estate and if a third of all malls are closing, there could be trouble ahead. It's not its not something I enjoy talking about. I don't want to seem like this is negative at all because to be honest, the fact that I'm giving you a little heads up and a warning is a positive. So just in case you haven't dug in and looked at what your broker's been investing you in, you might want to check out uh, what's happening with your own retirement plan and your own portfolio. We'll be right back after this break with some more interesting information and some good tax help. Dawson Landscaping and Chico would like to take time to welcome our troops home. Remember when you see them to thank the men and women in our military service for their dedication, selflessness, and courage. Continue to pray for the safety of those still serving overseas, and may God bless our troops. And may God bless the United States of America. This message of appreciation is from Dawson Landscaping in Chico. Call them at 343-0384. Reminding everyone that we live in the land of the free, thanks to the brave.
1: Astronaut Bob the Drop here. There's been a lot of talk about water found on Mars. Why would you go all the way to Mars for water, when we have the best tasting water at Mount Shasta? It comes from our protected springs, and is delivered right to your door. Great landing, Bob. Hey, where are you going with that? Those Martians are stealing my water! Guess we have some new customers! And anyone can get Mount Shasta spring water if they call us at 1-800-922-6227. Pure and
0: simple, naturally
1: the best, Mount Shasta spring (laughs) water.
0: Welcome back to Business Buzz, Harold Littlejohn, CPA. By the way, if you need any tax help this tax season, I always look forward to meeting new clients. I keep very busy. I don't do a lot of advertising other than the radio show here. My main goal is to just meet new people and uh, try to offer them some help. I'm always available to talk on the phone, a free initial consultation. My number is 895-3353. You can also email me, Harold at hlittlejohn.com. And like I say, I'm happy to uh, talk with you, introduce myself a little bit. I'm a good second opinion. I've said it before. There's lots of great CPAs in Chico, and I consider myself one of those. So call me, and we can actually uh, talk, and you can learn about some new things that I can offer a lot of help. The fact that there's a whole new tax law is pretty exciting for me. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But in the rest of this segment, I want to delve into another story that I've been trying to keep you abreast of. And like I said, we're expanding outwards from Valambrosia Avenue all the way to South America now. It's another article called, A New Record High, Venezuela's Inflation Climbs Above 7,000%. And this is from a guy named Steve Hanke, H-A-N-K-E, of the Johns Hopkins University. So I'm just going to read a little bit, then I'm going to explain why this is important. The Grim Reaper has taken his scythe to the Venezuelan Bolivar. The death of the Bolivar, Bolivar is depicted in the following chart. A bolivar is worth less, and with its collapse, Venezuela is witnessing today the world's worst inflation. So it goes on to show this horrible-looking chart of a straight line down. And as the bolivar collapsed and inflation accelerated, the Banco Central de Venezuela, BCV, became an unreliable source of inflation data. Indeed, from December 2014 until January 16, the BCV did not report inflation statistics. Then the BCV pulled a rabbit out of its hat in January 16 and reported a phony annual inflation rate for the third quarter of 15. So the last official inflation data reported by the BCV is almost two years old. To remedy this problem, the Johns Hopkins Cato Institute Troubled Currencies Project, which I direct, that's the author speaking, not me, began to measure Venezuela's inflation in 2013. We measure the monthly and annual inflation rates on a daily basis. We measure. We do not forecast. See, that's what's great about articles like this. You will never see this on, on mainstream media. And he goes on to say, the most important price in an economy is the exchange rate between the local currency and the world's reserve currency, the U.S. dollar. And here's where it comes in, because I mentioned this a week or so ago, there's an official exchange rate and there's a real, they call it the black market exchange rate, the actual. And I had mentioned before that the government down there has made it illegal for people to visit the website called Dolar Today because it shows the black market rate, not the official government phony rate. So... This article goes on to say the most important price is the uh, reserve versus the U.S. dollar. As long as there is an active black market read free market for currency and the black market data are available, changes in the black market exchange rate can be reliably transformed into accurate estimates of countrywide inflation rates. The economic principle of purchasing power parity allows for this transformation. Well, that's all a bunch of Fancy words to say how many bolivar can you buy with one US dollar. We compute the implied annual inflation rate on a daily basis using the PPP to translate changes in the VE uh, in the bolivar versus dollar exchange rate into an annual inflation rate, and they do this on a daily basis. The chart below shows the course of that annual rate. Today's implied annual inflation rate is 7,155% per year. Most musings about Venezuela's inflation are just that, musings, finger-in-the-wind forecasts. The IMF forecasts Venezuela's inflation for 2018 to reach 2,350%. This musing is way off the mark. Indeed, annual inflation today is measured at a new high of 7,155%, which is well above the IMF forecast for 2018. I do not report forecasts, but real measurements. That is shocking. And the reason I point that out is the story of the Venezuelan Bolivar has been repeated over and over throughout the history of money. It's not some unusual first time this has ever happened kind of thing. Currencies all die. They all die. And the Venezuelan bolivar is obviously completely dying. What this means for us is this. Right now, we're not in Venezuela. We don't hold our bank accounts and our investments in bolivars. We hold them in U.S. dollars. But the U.S. dollar is also a paper fiat currency, let there be currency. The only value that the paper currencies have is the faith everybody puts in them. If people start losing faith in these currencies, they will seek other ways to hold their wealth. I won't say hold their money because when people think of money, they think of dollars, which is, that's natural, that's normal. That's how you hold your money. But when you think of your wealth, you need to say to yourself, "Okay, I've got equity in my home. I might have some other real estate with equity. I might have vehicles and uh, maybe some RVs or something, something of of value. That's your wealth. Your money is dollars in digits in the bank. There are no, there isn't even cash bills anymore for money. The U.S. actually trades more cash than a lot of other countries." Some countries are virtually going cashless. So when you say money, all you really have is a claim in digital numbers on somebody else to give you something that you can then trade for, for instance, groceries. That's really what you have when you think about the bank account you own. You're agreeing that the $100 you put in last week and gave to the bank... When you ask for it back, they'll hand you $100 and you can then go exchange that piece of paper for food at the store. The problem with that is, number one, well, there's lots of problems with it. One problem is the dollar has been declining in value. So if we're bringing in goods from around the world, which we are, we're a very de trade deficit country. It's something like, I believe, 40 to $50 billion a month, it's, in the, I, it's way up there. It's near a trillion dollars a year or more. I, I don't have the statistics in front of me. We buy things from other countries. When the dollar declines, it's going to cost us more to buy those things. But the bank is only offering you 0.001% interest on the money that you have sitting in your checking account that means that you are a victim of inflation just by that fact back in the 90s the normal situation before the economic crisis a savings account would maybe yield you 5 or 6% so if inflation was 5 or 6% your money was keeping up because it was paying you interest now you are subject to the inflation of goods the prices of the goods but your bank is not paying you any real interest to speak of. That is the basis for the stock market being higher and higher. Stocks are seen as something that wealthy people can invest in and they're going to go up because dollars are so cheap. uh, These companies are buying up their own stock with free money from the government. It's a crazy, nasty circle like a dog chasing its tail and It's really built on air. We have to look. Is it really built on corporate profits? Is it built on U.S. domestic corporate profits? What is this stock thing built on? So I don't want to diverge too much from my theme of currency, but when we look at it, currencies are only as good as the faith we have in them. So just be careful and remember you need to diversify. I'll be back with Business Buzz right after the break. Stay tuned.
1: chico's christian radio here's rick box founder of unconventional
0: business network formerly integrity resource center with today's integrity moment this week we're discussing some of the causes of conflict in today's workplace one of those causes is hatred years ago at a graduate school of banking event a comedian asked everyone to stand he then asked us to look to the person to our right he then asked everyone to look to the person to their left Then he told us, statistically, one of these people hate you and they may not even know you. His point was that sometimes people dislike us for reasons we'll never understand. This can make for a stressful workplace. Proverbs 10.12 has a recommendation when it says, Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers overall wrongs. If someone in your workplace hates you, your hope lies in praying for and loving them. To learn more about Unconventional Business Network and doing business God's way, visit
1: unconventionalbusiness.org. That's unconventionalbusiness.org.
0: Okay, man, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. Cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Show the world that you're tougher than tough. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn, CPA, here to fill you in on some more tax information I think you'll all enjoy, and I think it'll be important. The subject that comes up a lot, and I'm going to get into it a little bit today, is the, it's a thing called capital gains, and some people, they don't have them that often, but when they do, it's always a major, it's always a major tax, uh, Question that they have, and it's important to know what the capital gain rates are. Now, here's the way it works if you have what's called a capital asset, and that's mainly almost everything you own, other than your business inventory and business related things like accounts receivable or notes your assets that you own are pretty much capital assets in the eyes of the tax law. In other words, let's say you collect, let's say you collect rare cars and you buy a 1950s Impala for $10,000 and you do some work on it as an investment. This isn't your business. This is just like maybe a hobby type thing. And you turn around and let's say the, the value of the, let's say you don't even work on it, the value of that Chevrolet from the 50s goes up and now it's worth $15,000 and you sell that car. You've just made what's called a capital gain. The good news is that a capital gain is taxed at a lower rate than ordinary income. So, that $5,000 gain that you made when you sold this car for $15,000. Now, this is all assuming that you've held that you've owned that car for more than one year. That's kind of the catch. So, the first thing you need to learn about capital gains when it comes to tax planning a short term capital gain is not given the beneficial rates like the long term is. So, the first thing you do if you ever have a capital gain, is you look to see how long have I owned that capital asset or that asset. If you've owned that asset for more than one year, that is now a long-term capital gain. And you get a very beneficial tax break on that $5,000. What I really want to point out is how good that tax break break really is for a lot of people. If you're married and your taxable income now for 2018 is what we're talking. The year that you're right now going to work on for your tax season that's here is the 2017 year. These are different. They're they're similar but they're different. I'm reading you the new law 2018 items so you're aware of what's happening now. Taxable income for a married couple up to $77,000 under the new tax law, falls in the 22% tax bracket. That's the ordinary income rate. My, If you have total income of around $100,000, with the new standard deduction, you will be in taxable income others under $77,000. So let's just say right now your taxable income is $70,000. You're in the 22% tax tax bracket on your wages and your ordinary income, pension income, interest income, things like that, business income, rental income. So let's say you're at $70,000 in taxable income and you had this $5,000 capital gain that you sold that Chevy Impala in December or anytime during 2018 and you owned it for more than one year. Guess what the federal tax rate is on that $5,000 that you have to add on to your tax return? It's 0%. A long-term capital gain, when that gain amount falls in that tax bracket, which is that one up to $77,000 of taxable income, that capital gain will get a federal tax rate of 0%. There are little tricks and twists that might cause some other things to change a little, so it might not technically be zero cost, but generally your tax rate for long-term capital gains is zero percent. It gets interesting also as you go head up the tax rate schedule, all the way up to the 35% bracket, which means taxable income of $400,000 for a married couple, that long-term rate for the for a long-term capital gain if it stays if it keeps your taxable income under 400 when you add that on is taxed at a federal tax rate of 15%. So you could have 35% tax rate on your wages but you only have a 15% bracket on your long-term capital gain. The reason I'm pointing this out is this is the cheapest income a person can have as far as the federal tax rate. One of the negatives of this is that the state of California does not offer a rate break on a long-term capital gain. So if you're in the 9.3% California tax bracket, which is sort of the standard for the basic families making a hundred ish, if you're at that bracket, the long-term capital gain will also be taxed at that rate. So you won't get a break for having a long-term capital gain on your California income tax brackets, but you do on the federal, and it can be very significant. Now, the interesting thing is that 15% is the main long-term capital gain tax bracket, but you might ask, okay, what about a guy who makes a million dollars a year? What if he has a long-term capital gain? Well, the interesting thing for him is that the highest bracket is 37%, For ordinary income and for wages, but the long-term capital gains tax rate for that really wealthy guy that makes tons of income is only 20%. So it's a tax break on long-term capital gains, and everybody should at least know about it. You don't always have one of these all the time, but when you do, you can really get a decent amount of income for quite a reasonable tax rate, much less than the ordinary rates. I've found that this is one of the things that surprises people when they find out. Sometimes I'll have a client call me and say, oh, he, he doesn't trade stock all the time, but he say he inherited some General Motors stock from, from a grandmother 20 years ago, and now he needs the money for something else, and he's going to sell that stock, and he's going to sell it for $20,000, and the cost basis when he inherited it is only $5,000. Well, if they fall in those tax brackets that I was talking about, with that taxable income level, they might get away with something like a $15,000 long-term capital gain for zero federal tax. If they don't get it for zero, they still might get it for a 15% federal tax rate. Still not bad compared to those other tax rates. I wanted to explain that. The new tax law has these new tax brackets, But the theory of the tax didn't change that much with this new tax law. The theory of capital gains has been around for a long, long time. Things like the holding period have changed. I do remember at one point there was a six-month holding period instead of a year holding period to turn your capital gain into a capital long-term capital gain. I also remember at one point, I believe they had a structured rate schedule based on under six months was one rate, six months to five years was another rate, and then over five years was the long-term rate. I, to be honest, I've been doing taxes for so long, I can't remember exactly how those structured things work. But to make a long story short, capital gains have almost always been tax-beneficial win a long-term capital gain. Now, there's a couple of theories you might ask, why do they do that? Why is that? One of the the reasons they need to do that, in fairness, is this. If you bought stock in 1960 for $1,000, and it's now worth $10,000, how much of that $9,000 gain, if you sell that stock, how much of that gain is really wealth increase? Or is it just inflation? Think about that. If dollars are worth one-tenth of what they were worth 60 years ago, which I would venture to say they are, why should you pay out a high tax rate when all you've done is keep up with inflation? So one of the theories is that the long-term capital gain rate gives you a break for the inflation-only reason that what you own has gone up in value. Another reasoning for the long-term capital gain rate being lower than other income is more like a public policy thing. They're rewarding investors who don't buy and sell like a day trader. If you have a bunch of people just speculating on things and they're buying like, well, Bitcoin's a good example. If you have people that bought Bitcoin at $1,000 and sold it at $19,000, but it only took them six months to do it, The government isn't going to reward short-term traders, but they will reward people who hold investments longer. So that's another one of the theories. I personally feel that one of the other theories of this is that capital gains are generally income of the wealthy. Wealthy people have a lot more capital gains on their tax returns than the ordinary average uh, wage-earning American family. They might not even see a capital gain except once in a long while, some never at all. In that respect, I think the tax code is skewed to help wealthy people, but then again, it ends up helping everybody if they have a long-term capital gain. I don't want to lump this into another conspiracy theory or saying that things are unfair, I will say that long-term capital gains are a much more common type of income for a wealthy taxpayer than for an average taxpayer. But I wanted to mention that that break is available, and I think it's a really good one in case you end up having that kind of income. It can be very helpful in your total tax picture. On the other side of the upcoming break, I'm going to mention another feature... That's going to save a lot of tax if this comes up for you. It's related to that. This is Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay tuned. I'll see you in just a moment. It's Matt Four
1: and Erica Smith.
0: And you should join us every Friday for Chico Down Friday at 30, 5 and 9 p.m. Why do you say why should you join us? <gasps> because we like to have so much fun. We do. And we talk to people in the community, organizations and businesses. And we hope that you listen because we enjoy it. And we want you to be there because without you, we might as well be talking in a closet.
1: <laughs> you are there,
0: right? I am here <laughs> on KKXX 104.5 FM and 930 a.m. You wanted to be a teacher when you were little, but as you grew up, things changed. Teaching just didn't seem like the best option anymore, so you decided to become something else. But what would your 12-year-old self say? Interesting and innovative things are happening in teaching today, so it's time to put it back on your list. Don't try to convince yourself otherwise. You had it right the first time.
1: Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ed Council. My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have Meals on Wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn, CPA. One of the important topics we were just talking about regarding capital gains taxation is, I was saying that most of the capital gains that you see on tax returns is wealthier people, but one thing that does come up quite often for everybody, not all the time, but most people do end up experiencing it, is the major question What happens if I sell my home? Since home prices have done so well, they went way, way up, up till about 05 and 06. Then if you remember, they went way, way down around 07 and 08. And they've gradually been coming back. And I'm starting to see that the Chico in last week, uh, the uh, realtor I had on as a guest, uh, Ms. Tierra Hodge, she was talking about how well the market's doing lately and it's even kind of bringing up the surrounding areas. One of the type, times in your life where you may be facing a capital gain issue is when you sell your residence. Now, if you do sell it for a gain, it qualifies as a capital gain. It's not your business inventory. You're not in the business of buying and selling houses. And you've held it for more than a year, generally. So it'll be a long-term capital gain if you sell your house. The part of the tax law I wanted to explain to you today, and the good news is it is continuing on very closely to the way it always well, it's the way it's been for the last twenty two or three years. The first two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of a home sale, if you qualify, so I I want to preface all of these tax advices I'm giving you with the fact that you need to consult a professional. I'm not giving you direct tax advice here. I'm just filling you in on the rules. But your own situation is unique, and every one of these tax codes has little asterisks where there might be an exception. You can't figure a blank anything I say here. I'm just giving you the general rules so you're more educated. But if you actually have a capital gain coming up or you're planning one, you still need to consult a tax professional one on one to make sure that these rules do apply in your case because there's so many situations where there's little tricks and twists uh, i don't want to i don't want to give you any blanket rules that you can follow and then blame me later if you didn't qualify so you do need to speak with a tax professional, but my point on this principal residence sale is here is the general rule, and there's all kinds of little twists but if you have owned and lived in that house. For two of the previous five tax years, you have made that your principal residence, and it's a qualifying residence for this tax break I'm going to tell you about. If you're single, you can exclude a gain on that home sale up to $250,000. If you're a married couple and you both have owned and lived in the house for two of the previous five years, you can exclude a gain on the sale of that residence of five hundred up to $500,000. Now, that is a huge tax break. It's one of the best ones around. There are a lot of twists and turns. If you've rented it out since you lived in it, you've got some twists and turns there. Some of the stuff is going to be recaptured as taxable income. There's lots of twists and turns, so don't take that as a blanket recommendation but you can start there with your tax planning if you've considered selling your principal residence. Some of the older clients I talk to bring up the 55 or older rule. That was a rule back in the, before the mid-90s, the home sale had a break. If you were 50, I believe, it, it's been a while. If you were 55 years old and you replaced your home within a certain period of the sale, You've got a tax-free sale of the home, but you had to buy a new house. It was a different law. The new law is much better. It's much more of a blanket thing. The unfortunate thing about the new law is this. The limit on the gain is the $500,000 for the married couple. Let's talk about the couple who bought a house in Palo Alto eight years ago. For a million dollars, and it's now worth four million dollars. If they sell it as their principal residence, guess what? They only get to exclude five hundred thousand of their three million dollar gain. Now, I gotta say right now, I'm not gonna be crying over this problem they have, but the rule does not allow them to buy a new house for four million somewhere and escape the capital gain they would end up with a $3 million capital gain of which the first 500000 would be tax-free, but they would pay probably the 20% tax bracket for long-term capital gain on the remaining $2.5 million gain. It's an interesting and uh, nice problem to have, but that would be the situation. If you or a loved one is considering selling their principal residence and it's going to be for a gain, you need to plan this out ahead of time. Number one, you need to talk with a tax professional. Make certain that your sale is going to qualify as one of these qualified principal residence, long-term capital gain, two hundred fifty dollars or $500,000 exclusions. If you can ascertain with the help of a tax professional that yours will qualify, you have a great opportunity to take a bunch of money in this gain and not pay any tax. The good news there also on the extra bonus side, the state of California does honor the same law as the federal on this generally. Like I say, there's always twists and turns. You've got to talk to a professional. But this is a real huge tax saver, and I want you guys to know that it's out there. If you're considering selling a residence or you know someone who is, I just spoke with a man last week that is helping his parents prepare their house for sale. And so they're, that's a family that's going to be facing a quite large capital gain because I know that residence, they've owned it for 50 or 60 years, and it's probably a huge capital gain. But if it stays under the 500 and it's a married couple, they're going to make out like bandits, and I think it's great. There's... There's no moral or legal rule against paying the lowest tax possible. There's nothing wrong with using the tax law to minimize your own tax. That's even been mentioned in tax court cases. It's completely legal to utilize the system as best you can. Candidate Trump got a lot of flack because the word came out that, well, he's had bankruptcies and corporations fold and he's had tax losses that have saved him tons of tax. If you want to criticize somebody for taking advantage of those tax laws, that's fine. I think you'd be better off trying to change the tax laws than to try to harp on someone who's taken advantage of them. And I can tell you that people of all different persuasions are very interested in minimizing their own taxes for obvious reasons. So there's nothing illegal or really wrong with trying to lower your taxes. If someone can help you save 5000 or say, say $2,400 in taxes when they prepare your tax return this year, that's, too, that's like getting a tax-free $200 a month raise because federal taxes are not tax deductible when you pay them. So if you can get some of those back in a refund, that is like free, sort of like tax-free money in your pocket. I never begrudge anybody who's trying to pay the lowest legal tax liability. In fact, I, I've mentioned that in my own advertising in the past. What could be more straightforward than that? You need to pay the lowest legal tax liability. It's interesting because they do do studies during various tax seasons, and they send a set of facts like a problem fairly complicated. They throw in some twists and turns and they send it to 20 different tax preparers of all different sizes, offices, big offices, small offices. The ones that they get back prepared with an answer, they're always different because there's always different ways to interpret things. There's choices you can make. For instance, if you are a client of mine and you are self-employed and you show me that you spent $10,000 on a forklift to use in your business, I could virtually give you probably the way the math works. I could probably give you 5,000 different alternatives as to how to write off or depreciate that forklift. Honest to God. How could I do 5,000 different ones? Here's how. Well, first you could write off the full 10,000. Next, you could write off 5,000 and depreciate the last 5,000. Then you could write off 5,000 and take bonus depreciation on the second 5,000. You could write off the first 4,000 and take bonus depreciation and regular depreciation on the remaining 6,000. I won't belabor my point. What I'm trying to say is there's legally 5,000 different combinations you could do with your $10,000 forklift. And unless you have a professional helping you, you will not know that. I encourage you, if you have anything complicated, since it's, now, it's getting towards the end of January already and we're in this new tax year, The 2017 tax year that you're working on right now is the old law. The 2018 year that you're in right now is affected by the new law. There's lots of things to think about. My encouragement to you is if you have anything complicated, especially if you're self-employed, if you own rental properties, if you own a farm, if you've had capital gains, if you've sold houses, if you've sold a rental property... If you're contemplating selling a rental property, you need professional tax help. I've said it before Chico is a wealth of quality professionals. I've worked for one or two of them when I was new here after graduating from college. I've been one for 30 years now, 27 years in the same location. Don't shy away from seeking professional advice. It could save you a lot of money. I do know that I don't recommend doing things for you if I can't make you money. In other words, if I find a way to save you $300 of tax, but I want to charge you $350 to do that change, I will tell you that I don't want to do it for you. That's the way I operate. That's the way most businesses operate here in Chico. It's not going to hurt to talk to a tax professional, and I'm offering a free initial consultation. This time of year, it may be over the phone because I'm running out of time slots to actually see people, but I'm always available for a phone call, and if we end up working together, you can definitely see me in person at my desk. At my office, I'm the only tax professional who's actually preparing the tax return, I have clerical help that does a lot of the phone work and the front desk work and the printing and the assembling, but I'm the one who actually does your income tax. Most offices are like that. I offer that just because I, I found over the years, I did hire a couple people over the years, it takes me longer to check the work of another professional as it does for me to do it by myself. If I was trying to really get rich, I could try to have a large office with 10 CPAs and 15 clerical people and 30 desks and nonstop whatever. That's not how I've chose to run my business. I started by helping my father in the Bay Area with his accounting practice, mainly taxes for him too. Even though back then, before before everybody had a computer and a QuickBooks program, bookkeeping was needed in a different way, and my dad's office did a lot of really quality bookkeeping for years and years for lots of different businesses. Bookkeeping is still needed, but it has so much computerized help now that it's just different than it was 40 years ago when I graduated from high school. But what I'm trying to say is it's very much worth your investment in time to get a free consultation. I offer that. I'm sure other CPAs offer a free initial consultation. And a lot of times you'll find that the amount of money you spend on your tax preparation, you've saved twice or three times or more in reduced taxes. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. My number is 895-3353. I'm getting very busy, but I always have time for you. Join me next time on Business Buzz. I look forward to talking to you next time. Have a great day. KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR, Chico, Yuba City, Marysville.
1: Rock House Dining and Espresso is known for their patio. Enjoy the ducks and chickens visiting the patio in their environmental, farm-fresh, lively atmosphere. Rock House is an iconic landmark in Butte County since the 1930s. Seven minutes north of the Lime Saddle Bridge, only two miles past the hardware store. Originally built in 1937, the two buildings served as restaurant and tavern, shower house, barber shop, gas station, and cafe. Live music every Saturday night in the Fireside Room. All-natural hot spice cider, mochas, cappuccinos, caramel macchiatos, and pumpkin pies made right here from fresh pumpkins. Kent Westfield, Christian singer-songwriter, is bringing acoustic music. He's putting on his current album. Call before coming by for a list of live music at 532-1889 at Rockhouse Dining and Espresso on Highway seventy in Yankee Hill.
0: Come gather round, people, wherever
1: you roam, and admit that the water.